Today's topics horses shape and asymmetry Episode 5 Henri Dorigny designer I am so lucky to be meeting a living monument but when I say monument I'm not talking about someone serious or conservative the man I'm talking about has been the soul of the faubourg for almost 60 years and believe me he's more fun and on top of things than an entire crowd of social media stars so you want a clue if i say marigourmet arso cape cod of course we are indeed going to meet henri dorigny the legendary designer of scarves, watches and ties for Hermès. Here he is. Such natural class and elegance. I want to be exactly the same when I grow up. It's very easy to see that something is not Hermès. And sometimes, because we have new designers with new ideas, we see something that we wouldn't have thought of being Hermès, and obviously it is. So it's very difficult to define with precision i'm attached by simplicity and um, by all those accessory either for uh, boats or for horses those beautiful uh, useful things you know something useful can never be ugly and it's a little bit the style of Hermès for whatever they did with leather i mean the things that had to have that shape because it had a purpose you see i'm very much uh, down to earth but usually i, I arrive here or, or don't i mean i'm not obliged to come i'm in my office or my studio whatever you want to call it and i just put on the walls uh, things i've done or projects or whatever for instance i've got projects for porcelain which i did and uh, it worked well but i mean it, it it didn't last for long and all those projects or realization of scarves no I, i started with the first scarf that had been accepted by monsieur dumas and then i continued to have project of scarves but i mean mainly i was renewing the collection of uh, of ties that became such a success that we had to bring new uh, new models and for quite a while I was the only one to do that and then they decided to ask other designers that used to make scarves or whatever to bring a new little uh, approach of it so they started to make those designs with animals landscapes and things like that I started to do my designs obsessed with uh, whatever had to do with uh, horses accessories etc my grandfather was uh, really a maniac about horses he had beautiful horses everything he had for his horses came from Hermès so uh, since childhood I had the touch and the smell and the approach of those beautiful accessories I was born in Hermès finally
in the 60s at the Faubourg, but the Faubourg wasn't at all what it is now because it was a very small and reduced space. Most of the rest of the spaces at the Faubourg were, was uh, les ateliers. And the boutique itself was very, very relatively small. I mean, it was a very sort of a very intimate space. And uh, very few people worked there those days. I mean, there must have been, I don't know, maybe 10 vendors. Uh, I mean, it was very intimate, very intimate, with very few clients every day. So uh, everybody knew everybody, all the clients knew all the personnel, and they have a sort of a relatively familiar relationship with the director of the, of the shop. When a customer, which was a very rare person to arrive at Hermès in those days, maybe if there were 50 people coming into Hermès, and usually they started a very nice intimate conversation with the director du magasin, the, the head of the people who sold, who sold everything. And um, they came there to discuss different things, have a cup of tea and ask about their children, uh, their diseases, uh, everything very personal. And I asked the head of the boutique once, but I mean, what, what you call them clients? I mean, they come, they go, and they never buy anything. I said, but a client is a person we really know. I mean, we practically know all of our clients and all the children, and usually they were sons or daughters of uh, ancient clients. I mean, it was a sort of a very familiar and intimate relationship that really, I imagine, must exist. Monsieur Dumas, when I wanted to belong to the house, said, well, if you want to belong to MS, you've got to know people who are at the core and the beginning and the end of our business, it's all a client. So you're going to spend six months downstairs au magasin. And they found me a little corner with a little desk and a chair, and I started to draw there, but I mean, it became pretty soon too small because when you make a project of a scarf, it's uh, 90 square centimeters, as you know, so it's not very easy to do in a little corner of nowhere. So my desk was installed, uh, not, not at all as a fixed and definite place, but I mean, sometimes I had to move because someone else had to be where, where I was. So Monsieur Dumas told me, well, I can see you can draw, but I mean, try to do something. Uh, I can judge for our little uh, style. So he took me to the museum. That little museum is a real mine for all designers at Hermès. So he, he came me there, and he took me there, and um, there was and still is a beautiful collection of haunting swords. I thought the central piece was very interesting. It was uh, the head, it was a German head of a, of a stag. So I made that composition, and he said, well, it's very, very good. It's beautiful drawing, but I mean, uh, there's no way I can use it because you really hit the two things we can't print on a scarf because they are both 
extremely evident symbols. You never offer a blade because blade can cut friendship. So, and at the center, you manage to put another extremely precise symbol, which is the stag, which is a symbol for sexuality, and big horns that are a symbol of infidelity. So it took me back to the museum and we found a beautiful book about people in the 16th century who were specialized in the making whatever was metallic for the harnesses or the saddle accessories for horses. Bits, chains, spurs, I mean... And this was the really first one that had been chosen by Hermès. And uh, I made a very classical composition. And it still is there. They reprint it regularly. Le monde d'Hermès. Before the war, Hermès used to be a watchmaker. And then it was abandoned after the war. And in the 70s, uh, late 70s, uh, Jean-Louis Dumas decided to reinstall that activity at Hermès in a totally different way. And so he needed designs of watches. And so he asked me, because he knew that I always was very happy to do things I'd never done before. So it gives a sort of... Uh, innocence and freshness in the creation because I have no references. I took my sheet of paper and made a big, a big circle. So the first thing I found was all the, um, the numbers. Then I took out sort of uh, what we call all'italienne. I mean, you know those letters that, that are a little bit slanted. And then I went to see uh, the man who was in charge of... Uh, all the silver things, and we try to find an attach for the bracelet. And by a sort of a unexpected movement on the table, it slipped. The lower part of uh, that attachment disappeared under the watch, and the other segment just pulled up at the top. And we said, well, you know, it was a mistake. We're going to use that mistake. What not having a, a dissymmetric design about it. And this is the birth of the first watch that was called Arso. For me, things exist or they don't exist, whatever old or young they are. What I did uh, 50 years ago, I could have done it last week and vice versa. If I do something now, Maybe you said, well, it had been done 60 years ago. For me, work is, uh, is something very strict that uh, obliges you to have a training, a real activity which is very disciplined, uh, which only does useful things at the useful moment. It's something terribly disciplined, and I'm not a disciplined man. So I think I had the chance of finding that uh, little talent that I had and exploiting it with Hermès. I mean, it's, uh, it's heaven, 
happen. Inspiring, right? It definitely makes me want to dig deeper and discover more of the treasures of 24 Faubourg, and especially that unique place he talks about that changed his life. We wouldn't want to miss that, would we? Come on, it's that way. Follow me. <laughs>